When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hello to our tremendous fans out there. Welcome to another Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I'm so excited because my guest is the one, the only, the tremendous Al Argo. And let me tell you a little bit about Al. Al is a skydiving accident survivor. That's right. We'll talk about that. He's a motivational speaker. He's an eight-time author, and he speaks on overcoming adversity, gratitude in life and business, influence, positive impact, leadership, and missions, and helping you create Argo, which stands for a really great organization. So Al really is an expert in helping professionals achieve more, relate better, grow faster, and overcome obstacles. In addition to all that, he is just a dear friend, has been a dear friend of many years of my mother and father and myself as well. Al, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Tracy. What an honor to be with you and all of our listeners today. I love it. Well, Al, tell a little bit about the intersection of you and my father. I like to set the context of how long we've known people. I had a gentleman on last week who we just connected a month ago on LinkedIn, but you go way for before I even knew about coming back to tremendous leadership. You were a part of tremendous leadership. Well, and your dad was always proud of you and his whole family. And I first met Charles Tremendous Jones back in early 1990s. I actually sold books two summers uh, with a company out of Nashville, Tennessee. So that's how he and I connected. And we just stayed in touch. And then uh, toward the late 90s, I ended up uh, transitioning over into Asia. I began to work with John Maxwell, training leaders overseas and still work with actually a nonprofit organization that I've been with ever since then. And your dad was coming over and visiting us. And then your mom came over and visited us different times, not just once, but several times. And he and I would speak not only to Christian ministry groups like the Haggai Institute, but we'd also speak for corporate uh, corporate Asia. And so he, I remember doing events uh, with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and uh, he was just so proud of you. And uh, just really, you know, thankful for uh, all of his readers and listeners, not only in America, but Australia. I still run into fans of Charles Tremendous Jones in Australia. Several years ago, I did I did an author uh, publishing masterclass down in Perth and came across fans, you know, (laughs) his legacy, even though he's been in heaven quite some time, his legacy and the impact, the influence and impact of Charles Tremendous Jones lives on. I love Well, He loved Australia. And we still get orders every now and then He because they're as effervacious and efficacious as he was. So he really loved them. And our listeners, you heard me interview Nikita Koloff uh, mm-hmm. last week. And mm-hmm. Al is one of the gentlemen that's in our monthly, I call it the Godly Guys and Gals group, our little mini mastermind where we get together. We're all speakers and authors and Christians, and we just get together and, and really share with one another because that's what we're meant to do. So Al brought me into this, what, at least probably four years ago, you included me in this. And I was so honored. I'm like, you want me to be with you guys. So it's been such a tremendous help. 
Well, I'm so thankful not only for you, but Nikita and our whole group. I mean, it's just like you say, just a small group, but but very powerful, very influential group. And we're learning. We're like your dad. You know, he, until his last breath, he was always learning. I tell people my name's Al. It's an acronym for a lot of things. But one of those things is always learning. Oh, I love it. I love it. Your, wow. dad, your dad was, I don't know if it was your dad or someone else, but they taught me to always have a book you're reading have a book you're writing. And so those two things. And so that was him. what was, was huge in books. And of course, even when I was a young boy, I didn't have a TV. So all I had was the library. And so up until I was 14 or 15, you know, and when I was 14, 15, you know, my dad said, well, if you want a TV, you can buy it. And I bought, you know, I watched it for a little bit, but I never lost my love for books. Well, that's beautiful. Well, he actually took our TVs out of the house when we were in high school. And we didn't watch that much. My goodness, this was like in the early 70s. And he's like, you don't need that. And we didn't need it. We wrote book reports. So thankful for that. I love it. Well, Al, let's get right into the topic of leadership. My father loved leadership, but he was very pragmatic about it. And he did not shy away from the tougher side of it. And he has a speech called The Price of Leadership, where he said that there are four components that if you truly are going to be a leader, there's a price that you're going to have to pay. It's Mm -hmm. worth it, but you're going to have to pay it. And the first one he talked about, Al, was loneliness. And we've all heard that it's lonely at the top, but could you unpack what loneliness means to you as a seasoned leader, maybe share a time when you were in that season and maybe a tool for our listeners if they are walking in a a time of loneliness? That's, uh, you know, and I I heard your dad speak a lot to a lot of different audiences from the time I was in college to the time I was in ministry and, and again, corporate Asia. And so all of us, whether we're brand new leaders or whether we're seasoned leaders are going to can go through a season of loneliness. And so whether that's a short period of time or extended period of time, and and again, for me, when I was selling books, certainly, man, that was just hard because you're out there by yourself and you're, again, I I really didn't know how to sell. I began to learn how to sell when I was 14, 15, and then the company kept, you know, doing sales training and continuous education and ongoing education is so, so important. That's why you and I, we train in corporate America and corporate Asia and, and different places but loneliness for a leader, it again, loneliness doesn't mean it's different than being alone. And so leaders by nature oftentimes are alone, right? But that doesn't have to, it doesn't have to negatively, it doesn't have to impact us negatively, what I'm saying. And whether it's selling books or whether it's being in Asia, you know, because we, we've served in Asia for 20 years, the first 10 years in Singapore and the last 10 years, you know, we've moved over into the Philippines and we travel a lot. And so, The whole concept of loneliness is really about just making decisions that are tough and giving up the good for the great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then how do you, this kind of goes into this decisions that are tough. The next thing he talked about was weariness. And if it's tough, it's wears on you mentally, physically, spiritually, all that good stuff. How do you combat um, weariness, Al, so you can continue to go through those tougher seasons and still stay robust and strong enough to move forward? Right. So again, I'm a big believer in give each day all you've got. Mm. And I start the morning with journaling and I've been doing this. I wish I began to do this when I was in my early twenties or late teens, but I've really honestly just began to do it in the last four to five years. And I've not missed a day, you know, doing this consistently since I've, since I've started. So I set, I talk about yesterday and talk about today, but then I could talk about four or five years down the road in my journal. I'm actually not doing it you know, by hand, I'm doing it right here on my laptop. And that way I always have it with me. And it's also searchable. And in my journal, 
I actually write the goals for, I write my to-do list, right? Which is important, but I, I also write my goals. I even write, you know, a small prayer. And then I also write a gratitude list. So these are the things that I'm doing every day. But as far as weariness in particular, I also make sure that I rest well. Rest. I've not, I've written a book about morning habits called Wake Up and Shine, but I've often thought about writing a book on rest and the importance of sleep. So how we combat weariness is really we honor the Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? So it's okay to be tired. It's okay to be tired, but we really don't want to be too tired. So we someone passed away recently and he left notes on his desk. And uh, this was um, an older preacher, gentleman from North Carolina. And he wrote, found on his desk was, you know, at the first sign of fatigue, I'm going to rest. I thought that's pretty interesting because I've not really followed that. I work hard and I work through my fatigue oftentimes, but this older preacher in North Carolina, he had a different view. And so that's interesting because, you know, we work hard, but we also want to rest as well. So we honor the Sabbath and we rest well at night. And and again, how I've come combated weariness is one of the first things that I do in the morning is I drink lots of water. I've learned that from the Japanese. They drink water. And so weariness is, it comes, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to linger. But it is part of the price that we or others have to pay. And, and I've got an acronym uh, toward the end when, when you ask me, as we get through the next one, because it, we've talked about loneliness, we've talked about weariness, and there's one more. Actually, right. there's two. More. Yeah, there's two. More. Well, I'll tell you what, that glass of water thing is huge. When I reclaim my health, that's the first thing I do in the morning, go get drink an eight ounce glass of water. That's amazing what you do. But I love that you talk about you're being very intentional with writing down in the gratitude. Sometimes weariness comes from lack of focus and you're just pulled so many ways and, and you're tired. And then you're like, I didn't get anything done today. And then you feel even more tired. Now, how can you be tired if you were unproductive? Because that lack of focus drains you. And that's that's getting to really our next a topic. And I and yes, you need to do a book on rest and the Sabbath because that is really critical to we're still just flesh and blood and the temple and we need to really take care of that. Um, but the next thing my dad talked about was abandonment. And abandonment typically has a negative connotation, you know, the fear of abandonment. But in his world, abandonment was abandoning what you like and want to think about in favor of what you want and you need. So it was a real focus. He used to tell me, Tracy, I, cause I'm like, how'd you get so successful? And he's like, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than I do my success. And cause he, he would get spun off on other things. So how do you abandon stuff and stay really, truly focused Al? Again, you know, you're right. A lot of people, when they think about abandonment, it might have a negative connotation, but it doesn't have to be because it's us abandoning what, what it might be good, but it's not God's will. It might be good, but it's definitely not great. And so TV in and of itself, it might be good, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not great. Right. right? And so, you know, and there might be, and again, I'm not preaching against TV. Like, I know know, back, back in the seventies and eighties, a lot of people preached against TV and my dad. So one of the reasons why we grew up without TV is because someone preached again against it and he threw it away and your dad, probably the same. He, and so when we talk about abandonment, it's about us giving up the mediocre for uh, the incredible mm-hmm. and, and life. You know, God's promise is life and life more abundant. Yes. And AL, again, it's an acronym for a lot of things, but it's also an acronym for abundant life. And it. so that's God's promise for you and I, if we not only know about him, but if we really know him, God wants us to do four things. He wants us to know him and he wants us 
to have freedom in him. Just because you know him doesn't mean you, you, you have freedom. He wants us to know him. He wants us to have freedom. He wants us to also understand our purpose, uh, whether that's corporate America, corporate Asia, or even ministry. Your dad, he loved the ministry. He, he often told me, he's like, you know, why couldn't the Lord let call me into the ministry? I don't know if he ever told you that. He did all the time. <laughs> and so I've been able to walk that fine line of ministry and marketplace. And I just love it. I'm just so thankful for being able to to work with the bankers in Nepal, to work with tourism departments in very interesting countries across Asia. And uh, so very grateful for your dads and other mentors. But this whole concept of abandonment is we give up the mediocre for the best for that day. And we, again, I do write every morning, every morning. One thing I don't do every night, but I should do, I may do as you and I talk more. I do this often is I review the day. I ask myself what went well, what could I have done better? And again, that's not a day. I'm just being transparent. Uh, my morning routine's very solid, you know, as far as exercising, as far as water, as far as getting my morning started. And again, those seven habits are outlined in the book, Wake Up and Shine. But we're talking about the price of leadership. And we've talked about loneliness. We've talked about weariness. And we've talked about abandonment. And there's one more, uh, which these three lead to vision. And which is very, very important. You have any other comments on uh, weariness? No, weariness and your abandonment. I mean, I just, I love that you are really always looking at abandoning every day and, and it's a daily thing. You know, we, we're on point and then it's just like your car. I mean, you constantly have to be tweaking and preventative maintenance and rest. And it's like you dust your house and, and a day later there's dust. It's just a constant tending to getting out the weeds, getting out the non-value added and staying on point. And you yeah. never, ever can sit there and say, ta-da, it's maybe for like 10 seconds you can, and then stuff starts happening again. But no, Al, that was beautiful talking about abandonment. And you and I, we're talking about abandonment. And then I, I circled back to loneliness and weariness. So yeah. if we rearrange those three things, I like acronyms. I like alliteration. I do this all the time, even with my own, you know, my last name when I teach sales, it's A-R-G-O, you know, happens our sales professionals. If we give a really great offer, that's what we want to do. That's oh. A-R-G-O. And, you know, as, as far as, you know, consulting organizations, we want to give Argo and help build Argo, which is a really great organization. But if you rearrange those first three things, loneliness, weariness, and abandonment, if you rearrange them, it's law, L-A-W, loneliness, abandonment, and weariness. And that's the law. And so, you know, a lot of our listeners love the Lord and have a real relationship with Christ like you and I do. And then some may not. And that's okay. We love everybody. and We welcome everybody to our, our leadership, to your leadership broadcast. I love what you're doing. I love the people that you've interviewed uh, since you've uh, began this and can't wait to, you know, for the future, but we're not living under the law. We're living under grace. And so for me, have I dealt with loneliness? Yeah, we've dealt with it. Has it been a big issue? Not so much because I'm never alone. Yeah, you know, we have to abandon the mediocre to achieve God's best, but that's okay. We give up so we can go up. And yeah, we grow weary and sometimes we get tired, but it's not a big issue because it's the price we pay, but he paid the ultimate price. Right. I just want to bring that out because it's close to Christmas. Your dad, listen, your dad, when he, he visited us over in Singapore, he just told me these stories about keeping up the Christmas tree all year long. He said, and you can maybe give us more insight because I never got to come up to the house. I never, you know, to this day, I've never been up to where you grew up. 
And so even when your dad passed away, I was overseas. It was very challenging for me to get back. I wanted to. So in my spirit, I was there. And so, but he told me these stories about keeping the Christmas tree up all year long. And so now we're coming into Christmas season. And so as I prepared for this interview, I realized, you know, loneliness, abandonment, and weariness, this is an acronym for law, but we have vision and the law leads into vision. God gives vision. You know, we know that verse where there is no vision, the people perish. And so vision is also a price that we pay for leadership. Right. And how do you hone your vision? You know, and dad was, he was very pragmatic, as you know, very down to earth, not fancy talk at all, because he was really real. And he would just say, you know, it's vision is just seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. So how do you incorporate this, Al, into your leadership? Well, I'm a big, big believer in goal setting and, but also taking action toward those goals. You know, again, the Bible says faith without works is dead. I I shared that verse uh, several weeks ago with a, a corporate audience in Asia and some of these young people had never even heard that. You know, we we have a lot of faith in different things, right? I have faith in the chair that I'm sitting in right now. I have faith in the car that we drove uh, yesterday up to speak at an engagement here in North Carolina. So whether I'm in Asia, uh, you know, if I'm flying to Asia, I certainly have faith in that airplane and the pilot. But as far as vision, like even with that pilot piloting that plane, that plane naturally, it will tend to get off course. Mm-hmm. But then vision is the act of pulling it back on the course to make sure it gets to the right destination. Right. Right. And so even before we were born, God knew our, all of our days. Right. And he understood and he understands our purpose and the plan that he has for our life. And, and so many people never discover that purpose. And so no wonder a lot of people aren't happy. No wonder a lot of people don't have real peace. So again, whether your purpose is working at the post office or whether it's driving a truck or whether it's selling insurance. I met with a guy yesterday who's been in the insurance for 15 years. I told him about your dad. I was like, you got to read some of these books. And every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has a vision. And if we really get it, we'll understand that the purpose, the desires that are in our heart were probably put there by God. You know? oh, absolutely. And I love that you you really tied it back to freedom. Because look, in this world, I heard a quote the other day, and then they said, and I tried to find who did it, but they said, for the sinner, this world is the closest to heaven they're going to get. And for the saint, this world is the closest to hell they're ever going to get. And I was like, so even in our most lonely, tired, messed up days, we have that freedom. And I love that you brought that because that really gets the wind back in your sails. We don't just do it on our own. Those of us that have the faith paradigm know, maybe alone, but never all alone. You know, we're tired, but that's where we, when we are weak, he is strong. And abandonment is that constantly, as Paul said, dying to self. And then we get into another biblical principle of vision where there is no vision that people perish. So I just thank you for that, Al, and, and those, those insights and how you're weaving that into all aspects of your life. Well, again, I believe that the best for you and I is yet to come and, and we just have to keep learning. We just have to keep learning and also applying what, what we're learning. And- love, well, you said it, somebody told me this, you know, embrace, but then you have to integrate faith mm-hmm. without works is dead. So we're yeah. still learning, but you know, our minds, you know, all the leadership stuff says cognitively, if you keep your mind active, you can stave off, you know, senility, also, you know, all that stuff. So we are meant, uh, retirement is not a biblical principle. We're meant to really keep going and growing. And that's why I love our tremendous fan base, because these are seasoned people that already have one, two, three, some four 
great successful careers and they're always still like but there's more there's more and that's just that's what true leaders do always growing always Mm -hmm. sowing well somebody yesterday at lunch asked me where i plan to retire and i'm like (laughs) retirement's not even in my mind i mean i'm barely 50 i'm barely half a century and so i'm just so grateful that i've known your dad and your family for almost 30 years and I just declare that for me and, and my future and, and whether the ministry, the marketplace, everything that our hands in, whether it's the consulting or the, the books, uh, and certainly, you know, just I love Asia. And so we've invested 20 years, just two centuries, two decades. I wish we could do two centuries, <laughs> but really the legacy, the legacy. Right. So we have right, to right. think about, you know, the generations that will come as the Lord tarries. But you're right. They asked me yesterday, where do you want to retire? And I'm like, well, I want to live forever in Asia. And I go back and forth. Truth is, I go back and forth. So I'm just as home in America, even though the weather's getting cold now. This will be my first Thanksgiving in America since 2015. Yeah, so I'm very thankful to have a Thanksgiving birthday and Christmas in the U.S. this year. It's really interesting, but really cold. Well, come up to Pennsylvania where it's even colder. and We'll give you some beautiful winter. Do you have your Christmas tree up yet? What's that? Do you have your Christmas tree up yet? No, not after Thanksgiving. And I like dad, keep a tree up all year round because that reminded him every day about the birth of Jesus. And, you know, when you look at that every day, it helps really keep you focused on, Mm -hmm. but there's my reminder every day that Mm -hmm. this price was paid for me and I can live as a free liberated child and claim my inheritance today. So, yep. I love the tree. <laughs> so I don't keep a tree up all year round, but maybe we should. Maybe yes, that's I love. Well, and then I change mine out every month. It's a seasonal tree, but it still is the joy of the seasons, the remembrances. And then, you know, it all harkens back to, you know, the birth of Christ. So, and then we have Easter for the resurrection. So we've got, you know, all those data points and everything in between. I love it. Well, Al, okay. So we've covered the four points. Share with our listeners too, how you do walk in the ministry and the marketplace. I I want you to share a little bit about your ministry and what you're doing with that. So our purpose in Asia and even in America is really to teach. I tell people that it's all about team. So I like acronyms. So we're all about teaching, equipping, activating, and mobilizing. That's an acronym for team. And specifically in the ministry, we want to help the Asian church just to move forward and, and really just become all that God wants them to be. In the marketplace, we want companies to make sure that they hire the right people. So I've actually, I'm teaming next year in the coming months, I'm teaming with a group of really high level industrial psychologists who develop software to help HR departments hire the right people. We're not talking about for, you know, small, small companies, but, but these are companies that are 500, 1,000, 1,500, you know, 5,000 employees or more, whether it's Asia or America. And so in the ministry, uh, for the last 20 years, uh, we've been doing, you know, whether it's relief in Indonesia, like after the tsunami, help train a team of locals, right? A team of locals, they were mobilized immediately to go in after that large tsunami. That tsunami, the Christmas tsunami back in 2004, it killed 144,000 people in 15 minutes. A very hard area to get into, but the U.S. government under the uh, U.S. aid we got in as religious nonprofit. We were able to get in and there's still effective ministry in that area mm. there in Indonesia. And so we work with Bible schools across Southeast Asia. We do relief, whether it's again, the tsunami, uh, we've done volcano relief, we've done uh, typhoon relief. 
just very sad. Some of the craziness. And when you talk about loneliness, abandonment, and weariness, when you see some of that without the grace of God, yeah, you can tend to go that way, right? Mm-hmm. And But thank God for vision and provision. So the ministry, it may be uh, relief or it may be education, uh, whether that's elementary education or reading programs. Like one of the reasons why I do the books is to promote literacy and mm-hmm. encourage children and parents to read to children. So our listeners can find the kids' books on Amazon. And so we promote literacy. We do relief. We do leadership training for the church and corporate. And so I get bored very easy. Someone told me not long ago, they said, you might have ADHD. And I'm like, well, I've never been diagnosed with that. And then they went on to say, well, if you do, you manage it very well. Right. Right. It can be a for just like loneliness and weariness. It can be a good thing. Yeah. So I won't, I don't want my hand in too much. I want whatever I do to be done with excellence and I want it to be fruitful. And so if we build a great team around us, if we have a great team, you know, we've talked about vision. We also need people. We need people not only to pray for us and support us, but we need people to help that you and I can delegate work to. And then, of course, John Maxwell always teaches that that you inspect what you expect. And so that's so, so important. And then, you know, there are other aspects of leadership, including numbers. So I may not be a natural numbers guy, but I understand the numbers tell a story. So at the end of the day, if I know the numbers that matter, uh, then I can kind of see how my day went. And again, whether that's a Sunday in church or a Monday through Friday in corporate. So the numbers always tell a story. Absolutely. Well, Al, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? So for anyone who might want to give a donation to the ministry, they can receive a tax deduction if they're given in America. And I just have a a URL. It's just a short link that would go right to the ministry site. It's just www.bit.do forward slash Asia missions. And uh, and so we'll have that in the show notes. If they want to look at the books, they can just search Al Argo on Amazon or Al Argo on Audible. If they want to get in touch with me as far as consulting or some of the HR work we've been doing, or, or just to ask a personal question, they can just connect with me on LinkedIn and they can message me. There's only one Al Argo uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a skydiving accident survivor and author and consultant. There is a couple more Al Argos out there on LinkedIn, but they don't have any pictures. I, I'm not sure who they are, or even if it's fake profile. My LinkedIn profile has a picture uh, and it's very clear which one uh, it would be. Okay. I love it. And Al, just really quick, touch on some of your children's books because the people listening need to know you've got some kids' books too. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, when I was down in Australia, my event organizer named Chris, uh, he's actually a pastor and a corporate guy and just an all around good guy. He's my good friend. I've known him for years. We've we've attended events together in Canada, America. He was coming up into Singapore. He was coming up in the Philippines to see us. And he invited me down to do not only speak at a leadership event, but we also did an author training masterclass. And so on the night that we were leaving, the night before I was leaving Australia, he took us out for ice cream. During In that ice cream shop, he got the hiccups. Now, in the deep south where I'm from, if you get the hiccups, you're going to get scared. So I looked over him and I just scared him. And he never had that happen. He just about had a fit. The whole ice cream shop got real silent. And then we all bust in laughing bust out laughing because his hiccups were gone. And then I made a comment. I said, don't worry. I've written the book on hiccups. And the next morning I was, I was joking, but the next morning at the airport, I just wrote this cute little 
it's almost like a Dr. Seuss type rhyme. So it all rhymes. And then I end of the, the book, I wrote about five to seven true hiccup facts. So this is a book for early readers. So it's again, it rhymes like Dr. Seuss, all the artworks hand drawn, all the parents and all the little kids love it. In fact, a lot of kids. Uh, so that was the first book. So, so I wrote a, bu- a book about hiccups and it's based in Australia. And then a couple of days later, I wrote one about doing number two, which all kids have questions about. I, I didn't realize a lot of parents would go to that book, you know, when their kids had questions about potty training, but that's pretty interesting. And then I wrote one about hiccups and then I wrote one about sneezing. I and so those, those are the four books in the kids series called The Adventures of Chris. And again, Chris is a real person. All the books are educational. And our goal is really to give away a million books in Asia. And so what we do is whenever someone buys a book on Amazon or they buy a book at one of our events, we immediately donate a book in Asia as well. So it's a a neat little giving model that we have. That's beautiful. All right. Well, Al, thank you so much for what you meant to my family, for the blessing you continue to be to me, and for sharing your wisdom with our leaders out there and our tremendous tribe. What a tremendous opportunity to be with you today. Of course, we have the opportunity to be together every month via our speaker and author mastermind. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being a friend of our family and ministry. We just appreciate your prayer and support and friendship. It just means a lot to us. And we just love you. And again, love, love, love your mom and your dad. Just great, great people. Hope that you and your family have a great, great holiday season. You as well, Al. Thank you so much. And to our tremendous listeners out there, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you haven't done so yet, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast. Also, if you do us the honor of a five-star review, we'd be so thankful. And drop us a note. We go ahead and I forward anything you say to Al and we answer all of our responses. Please make sure you go over to TremendousLeadership.com, sign up for our email letter where you automatically receive two free weeks of eBooks in addition to making sure you don't miss another podcast. So to our tremendous leaders out there, you keep on paying the price of leadership. We're right there with you. We're so thankful for you. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.